0: doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. Hey, what's up, friend? Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Scott Shepard. Today's episode is number 237. It's coming to you live from Little Italy, San Diego, on a 614 post-meridium on Monday. And yes, you heard that correctly. I'm in Little Italy, my home, my abode, my home office, recording this for you now and fulfilling the promise and commitment that I have made to you, which is to ship something every single day, which shows pieces of my latest work. Oh, one second, a brotus seems to be uh, sauntering onto my desk and I know he's going to step on the mouse pad and quite frankly, screw up my flow and life. Sorry, Brotus. I mean, you... So, Brotus, we talked about this at the at therapy the other day. Seriously. You know? Look, I know your love language is physical touch, Brotus. Here. There you go. That's... Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, hopefully that... Hopefully the mac- mic didn't uh, catch that. Uh, anywho... Where was I? <laughs> uh what we're actually gonna be doing today and diving into today. Oh yeah. Well, before I begin, I've made a commitment to every single day deliver to you a piece of content of my latest work, the latest fascination, the thing that I am working on. And disclaimer, I am not a speaker. I even have a slight lisp and I'm partially a renob. And if you don't know what renob is and I've said it multiple times, a renob is boner spelled backwards. So there you go. So I consider myself a copywriter, a writer. And the reason I do is because I am much sharper, better, and clearer when I write. My mind, like many of you, moves very rapidly from thing to thing and jumps around i have something known as brought us you dick something known as uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder but um like like all mothers of those with adhd they give their child the sage advice of it's not a disorder technically okay it's it means you're special (laughs) But I jump around a lot, and by writing, it helps me actually clarify my thoughts and simplify and make things clear. I've had a lot of success in life and have made a lot of money to back up my, uh, I guess, need for esteem and external approval represented by the uh, token and mechanism known as money – and monetary value. So I've generated a lot of money and monetary value in my life via writing, copywriting. And I know you may not be necessarily aware of that, especially if you're coming from the XYO world. And the XYO world is essentially the cryptocurrency that I co-founded and pioneered about four years ago. And for the first time in my career, I essentially no other choice, and I really didn't even want to, I swear to God, I, there was, it was my role to fill, to actually be the, uh, what is known as, in Russell Brunson, the creator of uh, uh, Funnels and a fantastic marketing thinker, it's a, a concept known as the attractive character or the charismatic leader. People love stories. Okay, And every single story has something called a drama triangle. And the drama triangle is comprised of three parts. The hero, the villain, and the victim. And what Brunson teaches is how to actually ethically, of course, create and communicate your story in such a way in which it resonates with people. And the perennial formula for resonating with and connecting with people is that represented and passed down by our ancestors and the structures that they use through myth and story. And that's all I really want to say on that subject right now. But if you are coming from the XYO world, you may know me as some loudmouthed face of the XYO cryptocurrency that well, somehow survived and dominated during the worst bear market in recent history. And now it seems like the fruits of the labor, some of the labor, but certainly not mine alone, obviously, because, well, quite frankly, I'm not operationally involved in XYO anymore. And that's kind of the thematic, uh, I guess, theme of my entire career, because I like to start things. I don't like to run things and operate things. And you need to figure out what type of profession or you don't really need to select a profession, but you need to, you need to be self-aware to know that that is you. And I knew that. I knew it all along. Uh, I intended, of course, to have – and I'm still, of course, a holder of XYO, co-founder – I intended to, quite frankly, not be so operationally evolved forever. In fact, it happened really early on, right after we started hiring employees and changed from like seven people to all of a sudden like 70 people, hell, I stopped going into the office because why? I couldn't actually get work done. I couldn't get my craft done. And quite frankly... A lot of people make the jump to the manager role, to the operation role, to the train conductor role, but that just bores the living hell out of me. It's not who I am, and it's fine. And so I knew the entire time that, well, I've sort of set myself up (laughs) into a position where I do not want to be in. And that's okay. Amazon, for instance, Jeff Bezos, he's a CEO and operation guy. He likes running things. Okay. Elon Musk is kind of a unique case, but he too likes running things and being actively involved in everything. Warren Buffett, on the other hand, the man that controls and owns, I don't know, 80% of the railroad network that you see anytime you pass A railroad or run over the tracks or see a railroad right he owns that property in that network right and every single toll that they pay essentially goes and trickles down to his toll booth in a small little office in omaha nebraska where a 90 something year old curmudgeon of a man (laughs) midwestern fella and multi 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 billionaire sits and reads for seven to eight hours per day. I'm not the Elon Musk, of course, obviously not even remotely or nor do I tend intend to be remotely as ambitiously successful as him. Because I would like to die in the year 2086 listening to Led Zeppelin pass away peacefully and not have my like head implode on the planet Mars when I accidentally forget to not close a door. <laughs> so anyway, you need to figure out what style and preference you are. And anyway, today's format of the show is going to be a little bit different. Usually what I do is I read to you the latest piece of my work and my latest writing and I kind of try to riff on it, and make it entertaining, but Today, I'm going to share with you something that is not, well, a fully developed and written piece, but it is something that I thought of this afternoon. In fact, I thought of it only maybe an hour, an hour and a half ago. I thought of it on my patio as I was reading and planning out what to discuss. And while I was on my patio, my shirt was off. Rotus was under the chair i was sitting on we were both bronzing and we were both living the best freaking life imaginable for us thank you very much so this piece and this thought and this content that i want to share with you is going to emerge somewhere somehow some way later on in my pieces of writing material whatever in my work okay and it collided and came from and was sourced from several different sources okay like different books like reading Yuval Noah Harari's book like in 2017 and of Sapiens and like even 2019 his book Homo Deus and without further ado I shall now share it with you the concept that I want you to think about and remind yourself of is the fact that the very best minds on this planet earth unearthed knowledge that was both polarizingly and totally correct and incorrect. And I'm going to go over that again. So what I mean by polarizingly and polar polar is essentially think of the more scientific connotation of it. Think of a a wave going in clearly one direction. It's not confused, it's going straight in one direction. Think of a staunch republican if you're in the U.S. versus a, you know, uh, pink-haired liberal, okay? Someone that is very clearly on one polar end of the spectrum, okay? So that's what I mean by polarizingly, okay? It's very clear. Not – not. I should have brought politics. Now, now people are going to associate one with <laughs> – One with another party or, you know, it's like a political notion, but it's really not. Just think of where you you have a clear stance in one direction of something, okay? And also, what the knowledge was that was unearthed and uncovered by such minds and thinkers was totally correct. It was totally valid. It was totally accurate. It was totally true whenever you tested their theory. For instance, Sir Isaac Newton and his theories, right? His theories of physics, they were very clear. They were polarizing. They were totally correct. They were totally right. They were totally accurate, they were tested, they were valid, they were true. And they were also incorrect. And today, depending on the paradigm that you use, and approach that you use, it is incorrect to think and use Newtonian physics. You see, and I'll include this in the the show notes or the description, an article came out that, well, summarized it very, very well, and it's called How Einstein's General Theory of Relativity Killed Off Common Sense Physics. And in that, you will find that the author writes this. He writes, quote, For two centuries, Newton's remarkably simple and elegant theory of universal gravitation had seemed to explain the matter well. And he's talking about well, a matter that doesn't really, you can read it in the article, about gravity, right? But as is increasingly true for physics, the author continues on, you know, after two centuries it simply doesn't cut it anymore or i'm sorry the simple explanation doesn't cut it anymore but he was saying simply simple doesn't cut it anymore meaning newton's laws of physics right were simple, they were clear, they were polarizing, and they were totally accurate and correct and valid until they weren't. In fact, in many ways, via many paradigms, they still are correct and valid. However, this little man from Switzerland comes fricking marching along, sail is over. On a ship to America, lands in well Princeton. It goes by the name of Albert, Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein's theory, and the theory of relativity. And this was difficult for Einstein at first. He was like, "Wait, I can't just throw out this." 200 year old well, paradigm that we've built the field of physics on. And you essentially, in order to make my theory of relativity work about how time slows and the dimension of time. Yet, everything else pointed to the fact that. Newton's understanding, laws of physics, in which he was viewing, and from his perspective, from Newton's perspective, was simply incorrect. And so, today, where we stand, is we now stand in a place where Einstein has revealed and unearthed a truth, that is polarizingly and completely and totally correct. Yet, if history has anything to teach us, at some point we are also going to discover how it is incorrect. And this paradigm... And you can think of it as a, a dichotomy or a paradox. It relates to the idea of something called dialectical monism. And I've done an episode beforehand or before on dialectical monism. And it's essentially this idea that only through one thing comes the other thing, meaning Only through Newton's very clear, totally polarizing, completely right, accurate, true, and valid piece of knowledge and discovery can progress come. Yet with Newton's discovery and with such discoveries also derive and also come the revelation later on that it is also incorrect, and how so it is correct. Now, I'm going to relate this not just to physics and Einstein and Newton. We're going to relate it to something, well, not quite mainstream, but a little bit more modern in pop culture than, than knowing your physics history and reading biographies of Newton and Einstein, right? So, what I'm going to relate it to is something of our modern day, which is as I mentioned earlier, you've all a Harari and his book called Homo Deus and Homo Deus I'm not going to get into or summarize, but in it he reveals the concept and his whole really thesis for his book is essentially a unofficial religion that is forming based around technology and based around data and information which Harari terms dataism and dataism essentially his is his proposal that where we are going as a species obviously over time in his opinion is one of more order. We are ordering ourselves. We are not killing each other due to war, famine, or plague. We're allocating resources better. We're allocating information better. We're allocating data better, essentially. We're moving towards what many call the singularity, which is all of us moving towards a complete system of order if you've read the book a brave new world you'll know what i'm talking about and if you don't want to read it then guess what you don't have to because the book quite frankly and it was written in the 20s kind of sucks and the writer aldous huxley who also was a dabbler in lsd which i've actually make sure Brodus microdoses on every day to mellow out. Brodus is my cat, by the way. And Aldous Huxley was more of a philosopher than an actual novelist. So you don't have to put yourself through the pain of reading it. There is a, a series, and I think it only made it through one season, but it's pretty pretty good. And it gets through the point of what the future that Harari thinks that we are heading for. And that future is... One in which there is pure and total order. Everyone is happy. Everyone takes uh, something called a pill called Soma, which is the modern day version of, you know, like a, an SSRI or a happiness pill or things that make you forget about life and life's problems, right? Everything is just complete and utter bliss 24 7, 365. That is what the singularity movement seems to be uh, pointing to. And that is what, well, we, we ourselves, as a human species, have deluded ourselves into believing. And we could be right about it. In fact, we're probably somewhat close, but we're also somewhat far off. And Harari, essentially, is with dataism, is that data wants to be free. We're moving towards a future wherein everything is ordered. And Everything is going to be ordered. Order is going to really dominate the world of chaos, and order is essentially the preferable uh, state to chaos. Now, I believe Yuval Noah Harari's assertion that that is inevitable, and he speaks very polarizingly, very strongly, because, let's be honest, it sells more books, and I know this to be true because, quite frankly, I've leveraged it myself to be very clear, very polarizing. Not lately, because I'm addressing smart people, intelligent people, and perhaps you'll see hints of that in books I publish, but I also won't do it inauthentically. Some of the terminology Harari uses, honestly, I question whether it's authentic or he's just given in to sell more books, but, well, He was a historian and an academic. He didn't have the fortunate background of myself, wherein I was able to actually, well, uh, make enough money and capital in marketing and on my own that I don't have to live on and suckle on the teat of some publisher to sell books. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. So what Harari is essentially saying and stating is that he believes that we are headed to a future of pure order yet Hey Scott Shepper here real quick this podcast is sponsored by me yes me sir Scott of Shepper I am committed to never shilling some dildo hipster crappy freaking product like all the other podcasters do all right My only ask, however, is that you spend 10 seconds right now, literally pull to the side of the frickin' road, the freeway, stop, (laughs) rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. This will help me spread my movement. You see, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days writing and creating using analog tools while making multiple six figures, if they even need to, and more importantly, building a tribe of people that they were called to build, okay? And I want you to rate and review this podcast because it will directly help me in this mission. That's all I ask. All right, now back to the regularly scheduled program. Peace. What Luhmann pointed out, and Nicholas Luhmann is the creator of Zettelkosten, the antinet, the thing that I've been talking about nonstop lately. He devised a system, and this is essentially how the human memory system works, in which it is not one of pure order. It is not a dynamic computer system based on binary code. That's man-made. That's invented. The people that are well, falling into the AI is going to take over the world and general AI is going to take over the world and singularity is going to take over the world and we're heading for a future where everything is going to grow so fast, everything just suddenly implodes. Yeah, they're they're freaking watching too much Black Mirror on Netflix, uh, reading too much conspiracy theory stuff on some QAnon forum or, I don't know, just bored. So the thing that Lumen pointed out is that chaos aka nature and by chaos i don't mean like you know just like hell okay i mean just change like hurricanes for instance it's part of nature it's chaos it's random you know it's not a consequence of you know some uh, nation or island or coastline in a certain area of well Drinking too much rum and being too unfaithful. Believe it or not, it's completely random chaos and driven by something else. And that is not to say that there is no God or someone that frowns upon such a, such behaviors that I outlaid. But quite frankly... God is probably not that Santa Claus figure in the sky that is judging you and watching you. And well, even remotely close to even speculating on his or her or its true nature. So think of chaos as nature. So nature And this is the paradox of life, kind of like the dialectical monistic quality, and I'll explain what that is in a second. We're not going to go on too much further, so stick with me, okay? We're almost there. We're almost to the key point. You've done all the hard work listening to me thus far. And let me repeat that again. Chaos, nature, aka nature, is and always will be required for order. That's contradictory it seems but order is dialectical you see only through chaos can there be order if there was well just pure order you're not going to bring order out of order because it's already order it's dialectical meaning two with through two there is one through two it exists through two order exists through two progress exists through two growth exists. And so what Nicholas Lumen did when he devised his thinking tool, his thinking system is he engineered and architected chaos into it. He made sure that there was mistakes, accidents, randomness. And the reason why, Far too many people and far too many systems, and especially in the world of Zettelkasten and, and note-taking systems that rely on digital, far too many of them are really stunting their growth and stunting their growth as a human being and stunting their growth as a mind, a human mind that can think They are sacrificing this and stunting this growth because instead of investing their time and energy, building their own offline analog brain, their own mind that is in their actual skull, they're building the mind that lives and operates based on a language of ones and zeros, of binary numbers, of true and false. fact is, and we're going to discover this soon, certainly at some point, just like we've discovered that Newton's laws of physics were not universally true, we're going to discover that binary one and zero true and false code is actually incorrect, it's errant, it is not the whole picture. And we're deluding ourselves to build our entire lives and systems on it. And in the meantime, the only thing you're sacrificing is your own life, your own brain, your own development, your own thinking. But hey, at least you're building out the databases and infrastructure of Google and the note-taking systems and all the startups that are mining your data using it learning from it and developing their own mind, a corporate mind, a organization mind at the expense of simply you. So for what I have just said for a lot of you, for some of you, I don't know that may have flown over your heads of what I have just said. However, I know that this will resonate and make sense for a select few of people in this world. And if I've done my job, right, I have made sure to filter out all of the gold diggers and tire kickers that actually listen. To my daily show because like charlie munger said who is by the way charlie munger is the right-hand man of warren buffett you know charlie munger is a multi-billion dollar capitalist investor that just reads all day and probably jerks off over benjamin franklin and i'm not even kidding about that <laughs> well i i hope i i, I hope that's not true <laughs> Uh all right, sorry for the mental image <laughs> in your head uh and and I'm apologizing because I'm now regretting the mental image that I have created in my head <laughs> anyway uh anyway, anywho ha ah uh, so <laughs> where I was going with that is that Charlie Munger likes to drive a really crappy Car, you know, a a multi-billionaire driving a crappy car. Someone, someone, essentially asked him one day. So, Charlie, you can afford any car on this planet. Why do you choose to buy this car? Right, this old beat-up. I don't know. Let's say Chevy. His reply, with a smirk on his face, was, "Well." It keeps the gold diggers away (laughs) so with this podcast as you may have noticed i don't talk about cryptocurrency which one to buy you know selling you something getting you to purchase a, a free i don't know product and pay for shipping no hell i offer even to ship you my book for free and i'll cover the shipping cost right I'm not going to tell you how you have to listen to some of the prior episodes and you can figure out how but I'm not going to tell you and the reason why I do this is because the people that listen to me the person that listens to me bleh, the person that listens to me the person that listens to me right now and is listening to me right now I'm speaking directly to you your soul your inner voice and monologue I know that sounds a little bit weird but I do this everything or every day for you and ignore some of my blunders and, you know, whatever um, Freudian slips when I, you know, think about a cigar while while thinking about something else. And while smoking a cigar, I uh, all of a sudden say the word penis because it's a, I don't know, follicle, whatever shape, right? Like a cigar, that's a Freudian slip. Well, ignore all of that and my le- outlandish stuff because you know. That I do not edit this show right now. Maybe I will in the future. But I do all of this because I like people like you. If you've listened to this far, then it means you are a very, very unique and rare breed. It means I've done my job and I've filtered out the gold diggers, the tire kickers, and the people that want wealth without the hard work. that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here to do. So I'm going to part now, but I want you to know that you should always remember to stay crispy, my friend. And Scott Shepard is signing off on a Monday at 649 Post Meridian from San Diego, California. Peace and love. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, real quick, this podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, freaking me, Sir Scott of Shepard. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, all right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds, right now, pull to the side of the road even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love. Writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools. While also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe. A tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.